All right, good evening, church. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Stephen and privileged to serve here as one of the leaders. Um, this last week, I was reading a story about a lotto ticket that was a winning ticket about a year ago. 28 million rand was available to the owner of that winning ticket. 28 million rand. Now, um, this guy, whoever owned the ticket, didn't come forward until a couple of weeks ago, seriously, a few days before the ticket expired. So um, as I was reading this story, a number of questions came into my mind. The first question was this, what would you do with 28 million rand? Now, I'm talking about the real answers, not the answers you give on the radio when you know the right things to say. I'm talking like, what would you really do with 28 million rand? That's the first question that I had. The second question that I had was, what on earth was this guy doing for a year? He had access to 28 million rand and did nothing about it. Now, we're going through a series as a church and tonight is our second last one, a series called This Is Us, where we wanna look at the kinds of things Jesus says about his church. We wanna say of those things, this is us. And tonight we're talking about we are, this is what we wanna say of ourselves, we are stewards. We are stewards. And what that means is a steward is someone who can stand before God and say, I have been faithful with everything you've given me. I've been faithful with everything you've given me. Now back to the guy with the 28 million. I wonder how many of us are not fully accessing all God has for us. And just like the guy with the 28 million rand for a year, God is kind of saying, I, I want to do more in your life. I want to do more through your life. I want your life to count. And you're kind of leaving me out of it. The, the other related question is this. If we did know just how rich we were in Christ and the power that we have in His Spirit, just what would we do with that if we really knew how God wanted to move in our lives? How would we spend that? And that essentially is what stewardship is about. So we're gonna dive in to a very famous passage where Jesus talks about this. He's teaching us to be stewards. He's teaching our lives to count because here's the thing. When God made you, every single one of you, when God knit you together in your mother's womb, when God designed you, when God placed abilities and inabilities in you, when God placed desires in you, uh, when God even takes challenges in your life and you start overcoming them and He's glorified, all of those things He's placed in you because He wants your life to count, but not only for the days that you're alive, He wants your life to count for eternity. And that is what tonight's gonna be about. So let's see how Jesus teaches us to be faithful stewards, to be faithful with everything He's given us. So we're gonna read Matthew 25, verses 14. Uh, it's a long passage. We're gonna go through it quite quickly. The words won't be on the screen behind me. Uh, but uh, if you don't have a Bible, just listen here with me from verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. We're gonna come back to that phrase, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once 
and put the money to work. That's another phrase we're going to come back to. Went at once and put the money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, when Jesus here is talking about talents, he's not talking about your ability to make money or your ability to play guitar or sing. It is literally an amount of money in these days. It amounts to a couple of hundred dollars per talent. So five talents was a substantial amount of money. Even one talent was a substantial amount of money. The first phrase I drew your attention to was this, each according to his ability. And what I want to say to you is when God comes to you one day and says to you, have you been faithful for what I've given you? He is only going to measure you against you. He's not going to expect you to live somebody else's life. He's not going to expect me what he expects of other pastors in Joburg or in Cape Town or in the rest of the world. He's going to look at me. He's going to look at you. He's going to look at your abilities and he's going to tailor make his expectations to you and you alone. And here's the thing. God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows your limitations. And here's the other side of that. God knows your potential. And He's going to understand some of the challenges you've had in your life or are having right now in your life. But also He knows what a faithfully stewarded life looks like in your context. And that is what we're going to be measured against. So these talents are given to us, each according to our abilities. And it says here that the ones who were given five and the ones who were given two went at once and put them to work. There's a sense of urgency here. There's a sense of responsibility here. There wasn't a little prayer meeting first. Okay, here's what the master's doing. Let's just go figure it out. Let's go figure out what the Greek says. And the New Testament's written in Greek and people love working out what the Greek says. And, and let's pray about it some more. No, it's, this was faith in action. Here's what the master's entrusted into my hands. And we're gonna go and we're gonna produce faithfully all that he's called my life to do. Just a quick one on this. Whose money, whose talents, whose money was this in the story? It, it was the master's money. And the way these stewards, this is what stewardship is, is the master entrusts something into their hands. They faithfully put it to work, producing the more, producing the surplus and bringing it back to the master. That is what stewardship is. And in the same way, God entrusts you with many things. God entrusts you with health. God entrusts you with breath in your lungs. God entrusts you with cognitive abilities. Uh, God entrusts you with financial abilities. God entrusts you with musical abilities and business abilities. And, and God entrusts you with people. God entrusts you with opportunities. They are His. They're all from Him. But the question is, are we gonna be like the five and the two who at once put these two work? Faith in action, we produce the more from there. But then this guy who's been given one talent. And the scriptures give us some major clues as to why he didn't want to go and put this to work. And we'll come to the biggest one just now. But I think sometimes what starts to happen, and I think what is going on here with this guy, is a comparison trap. I've only been given one. Only one. 
Look at the guy with the tool. He's been given double what I've been given. That's not fair. And the one who's been given the five, he's been given five times what I've been given. And on one hand, there's a bit of a, a production limitation, kind of like going, I, I can't do that. I can't do what the guy with the five's been doing. I can't produce that. And, and as much as I try, I just can't. And on the other hand, maybe a bit of jealousy. And, and if that's the case, well, I'm not going to put my talents to work. So I'm just going to bury it in the ground and carry on growing, uh, going. But let's move on here. Jesus continues to teach us, verse 19 and 20. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. Guys, here's something I need to lovingly tell you tonight is that I'm not gonna hold you accountable to your faithfulness. But there is gonna come a moment in history when God will hold you accountable. I know this is not one of those sort of candy floss, rainbows, puppies, dolphins kind of moments. In fact, the whole of Matthew chapter five is a parable about sort of how Jesus comes back on judgment day and the kinds of things he cares about. And God is gonna come to you and say, what have you done? And today is the kind of day when we get a friendly reminder that we need to be called to faithful lives and hopefully we get a bit of a vision as to what that can look like. In the case of the five, verse 21, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. If you are a Christ follower here tonight, I want you to mark as of highest importance, those words, well done, good and faithful servants. You see, if we want to hear those words in the future, we need to be living our lives today in such a way that we will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servants. In this case, the five and the two, those are the words that they heard. I want to hear those words. I hope you are starting to realize that you can live your life in such a way that that is what you're going to hear. The second thing I want to point out from these verses is when the master says, now you've been faithful, now come and share in your master's happiness. I think for so many of us, serving and doing kingdom things or church things can be such a drudgery Okay, I'll do you guys a favor and I'll serve. Okay, if I have to. Sometimes our financial giving in the kingdom is like, <sighs> okay, you know, let's hope God notices my generosity here. And that's anything but sharing in our master's happiness. And one of the visions God is selling here in this passage is saying, listen, when you see that your life counts, when you see that your time counts, when you see that how you live out the moments of your days counts and matters for eternity, not just for today, man, part of that is when you faithfully live that out, we get to share in Christ's joy. I've said this a number of times over the last few years. God wants more joy for you, not less joy. And this is one of those ways. God wants your life to count. And He wants you to experience His joy as your life counts in faithful stewardship. I'm gonna skip the next few verses because it's just describing how the guy who was given two talents has exactly the same experience. Let's go to verse 24 and 25. And then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, 
I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And so I was afraid and I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And what we see here is instead of experiencing his master or thinking of his master as a man who is saying, come and share in my happiness, he has the skew version of his master. And he is driven and his inactivity and his faithlessness is driven by fear. And I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, if our service and our obedience and our sort of kingdom impact in this world is driven by fear, that is so sad. Number one, who do you think is gonna be more effective in the kingdom? The one driven by fear or the one driven by joy and love? The one driven by joy and love, right? Now, I was also thinking about this. My, my boys are six and eight. And, and, and I'd hate to find out kind of when they're in the mid-20s, they feel like they can sit their dad down and, and tell them what their childhood was like and say, listen, dad, you know, all of our obedience and, and all the things that you wanted us to do, we did because we were afraid of you. I mean, that would break my heart. And yet so many of us live that out. We judge this guy, but so often, aren't we him? I know I can be him sometimes. And instead God is saying, hey, why don't you steward your life in such a way that you share in my joy? And I've just, from verse 26 towards the end, his master replied, and, and he kind of almost affirms this caricature of himself to this guy. You wicked, lazy servants. So you knew that our harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seeds. Well then, you should have put your money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with some interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents for everyone one who has will be given more and he who will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And here's this principle that starts to come into play. That faithful living starts to beget more and more joy and more and more trust from our God in heaven. That the more we are faithful with the little or the much we have, the more God entrusts into our hand, the more responsibility He gives us, the more He's sharing in His joy, the more He's saying, well, I've got more joy for you. I've got more responsibility for you. And so things grow. I've been amazed as to how some people live their lives. I'm like, how do you do all of that? And you just see such great joy in their lives as God has added to them. So for the rest of the message tonight, I wanna to speak briefly into three areas that God is calling us to be faithful stewards in. And the first area is in the area of our time. Now, if you think about time like a cash budget, every single one of us has 86,400 seconds every single day. No one in this room has one second more and no one in this room has one second less. Now here's another verse that speaks to our stewardship of our time. Ephesians 5 verses 15 to 16. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Again, there's two ways to do this. Unwise or wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. God is saying, listen, there's a mission here. I want your life to count. There is a real enemy here. There's real sin here. I want to push back darkness. I want your life to be part of that. And because I want your life to count for this life and for the next, you need to make decisions with regards to how you spend your time. So how are we gonna do that? 
Well, what I want to just put before you as we think about the stewardship of our time is some of the thing God's, some of the things God cares about when it comes to our time. And maybe tonight we can start aligning what we care about to what God cares about and perhaps how we invest our time, how we budget our time can start matching up with that. The first thing that God cares about when it comes to time is people. For God so loved the world that He gave. God joyfully became a human so that he could invest in us, so that he could save us. God cares about people. Two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. God cares about people. How does our time reflect that? But Stephen, you've got no idea. I mean, I'm a student. I'm up early and I'm I'm studying and and, and then I go to varsity and then I come home. I've got more studying to do and and then I've got at least three hours of Twitter to do and uh, and then I've got some more studying to do. Uh, I don't have time for people. Or Stephen, I leave for work at 5.30 in the morning. I only get home at 7.30 in the morning. Well, my question is this. Don't you work with people? Don't you study with people? So how can you, as a point of light and salt in that place, invest your time well in people? The second thing God cares about is He actually cares about your work. There's this kind of false paradigm that Christian things is like singing and uh, praying and church, and then then I get like the non-Christian things like work. And somehow we got in our minds that this is something to get through when there is such a way as Christians that we can actually redeem our workspace and that we actually work to the glory of God. And that doesn't mean not doing your work because you're going around praying for everybody. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying people for people at your work. Just if it means that you're going to get fired because you're not doing your job properly. That's not being a Christian in the workplace. Famous story, story with the great theologian and leader Martin Luther. Um, there was a guy who came to faith. He was a cobbler. So he comes up to Martin Luther and he says, oh, well, what do I do now? How do I make shoes? Because I'm a Christian cobbler. Do I need to put little gold crosses on them or, or give them some sort of Christian name? And Martin Luther said this, make good shoes and sell them at a fair price. That's what it means to be a Christian. Do your job well. Point number one, invest your lives in people, but do your job well and be just in all your dealings in the workplace and you'll see how people will start to be attracted to Christians in the workplace. Number three, when it comes to how we spend those 86,400 seconds, God cares about family. So how does our time reflect that? I know it is so tempting to come home after a long day at work and just have the sense that, well, I deserve after my long day at work just to put my feet up and to get on the phone or to get onto YouTube and switch off. And there's my kids. They've been waiting for me to come home and they're so desperate for my time and for me to ignore them. It's the most tempting thing in the world. There's this new feature on, on my phone that tells me the average screen time per day that I've been spending on my phone. And that's a reflection of my time management. Now, there's nothing wrong with, with, with these things, but at the end of the day, God is gonna hold us accountable. Have you invested some of your time into your family in a meaningful way? Number four, God wants to connect with you. So often you're kind of like, you must do your quiet time. You must do your devotion. No, no, God wants to connect with you. And I hope as Christians, you wanna connect with Him. So how are we going to manage our time so that that is possible? How are we going to prioritize that? There's a verse that we've used so many times in the last few years. 
where Jesus says in John 15, now my mind has just gone black. <laughs> where Jesus says, uh, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, of course, you know, non-Christians do it all the time. Even Christians do this. We don't give Jesus a thought. We go to work and we, we write exams and it seems like we're actually doing okay. And I think what we need to think about it, uh, the way we need to think about it is, apart from me, we can do nothing of eternal value. And if we want our lives to count, we need to abide in Him, which is what John 15 is about. We need to push into Him. We need to depend on Him. And that only happens when we give Him our time. Another thing that God deeply cares about in our lives is your rest. God modeled us by working for six days and then resting. He invites us, according to the book of Hebrews, into this place of Sabbath rest. He also knows how your bodies are made. He knows when your mind is rested, you flourish. He knows when your body is rested, you flourish. You're better able to connect with Him. You're better able to connect with others. In fact, you are more productive. All this research seems to show when we are well rested. Sometimes the most Christian thing you can do is take a nap. Amen. That's what I did this afternoon. Second last one is God cares about your health. Again, we kind of all know that's not a Christian thing. No, no, it is a Christian thing. We can make a God out of our bodies or we can recognize that when I am physically healthy, I am better equipped to serve God and serve others. I know I'm better equipped to be a husband. I'm better equipped to be a father. I'm better equipped to be a pastor when I'm physically healthy. Now, some of you are hearing all these values, all these things that God cares about. You're looking at your 88,000 or 86,400 seconds and you're going, okay, if I give you know, this many hours to that and there's some time to that and I've carried the three, how am I gonna do that? Now, I don't know because how we spend our time is gonna look different for every single one of you. I'm trying to show you the kinds of things that God cares about. And I think we're being invited into attention here. I don't know if we're always gonna have a perfect time budget. But if we are setting these things as our priorities in our lives, we start making some tough decisions, we start actually making active decisions around us, I suspect we're gonna start seeing great, greater fruitfulness in our lives, greater relationships, greater relationships with God and others, and even be in our workplace. I suspect that's gonna happen as God comes to us and blesses our decisions in this. I also understand that we live in Johannesburg. And Johannesburg is a beast that chews us up and spits us out. I get that. So this is not gonna be easy However, our desires are to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. You did well with your time. So let's talk about the second area that God wants us to be good stewards in. And that is with regards to our talents. One of the ways that God wants your life to count is He gives you abilities. And just for the sake of uh, our brevity tonight, and uh, I'm gonna kind of talk about talents and spiritual gifts in very similar ways. Talents being maybe some of the more natural abilities, which by the way, still come from God. No, 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 I got, my, I got my brains from my mom. Well, where does she get her brains from? Oh, no, from her dad. And then where did he get, we're always gonna come back to God. 
All right, so whether it's your more natural talents in inverted commas that God can use for His glory or whether it's more spiritual gifts, which we'll talk about now, God wants your life to count for eternity. So we're gonna steward those well. So let's see what 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says. It says this, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Three questions come to mind. The first one is this. According to this verse, what is a spiritual gift? According to this verse, a spiritual gift is a manifestation of the Spirit. And you're like, Stephen, a, a what? Briefly, some of your Bible translations might say a working of the Holy Spirit. Basically, what a spiritual gift is, is when God's presence and power works through your life to bless others. And often in unique, tailor-made ways so that you start to see greater fruit in a particular area of your life. That is a spiritual gift. Question number two is, who gets spiritual gifts? And the answer is there, each one. This is not something you only get when you pass a test. As every single one of us starts to follow Jesus Christ, He wants your life to count from day one. And He's not gonna make you earn it. He wants to live through you, so He works His power through you in spiritual gifts. And question number three is, well, what's the purpose of spiritual gifts? And the answer is this, for the common good. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it talks about spiritual gifts are there to build up or edify the body. To build up or edify the body. Now, now, some of us hear that and we say, we maybe betray a bit of a low view of church. We say, no, no, I want my life to count out there in the world. Now, Craig spoke about this two weeks ago. Absolutely, God wants your life to count. He wants you to love your neighbors. He wants you to love the least of these. He wants you to use your talents and your gifts out there to make a difference for His kingdom. But also, Jesus is the one who has a high view of His church. And He wants your life to count there. And he wants your gifts to be used for the common good. That's what is in the verse behind me. Think about an army. Absolutely, in an army, what is, anyway, man, this is about mission. This is about advancing the mission. This is about pushing back the enemy, right? And there are people on the front lines doing exactly that. But what good is it if they're doing that and there are no medics to look after them? There are no nurses to nurse them into health? There are no generals kind of figuring out the strategy of the mission. There are no chefs to, to make sure they're healthy. Here's the thing, a healthy army equals a healthy mission. So I would say a healthy church makes for a healthy mission. So when, I mean, just think about this. Church is made of a whole bunch of individuals, each submitting themselves to God so that God's power flows through them and, and blesses the common good. Imagine we submitted ourselves to that. Imagine what became possible as not only I served in my power, but in His power. Whether I was in, in, in an in a, in a RPM setup team, or in kids ministry, velocity, or even worship ministry, every single part of the body matters. And it doesn't just matter because it gets the job done. But man, we submit ourselves to God's power and He works through us. So I've got two brief thoughts when it comes to stewarding our talents. And the first one is this, start serving. Just start serving, start somewhere. And, and just for the sake of this point, emphasis on the word serving. There's this kind of fallacy out there. Again, there's kind of like, there's this perfect place for me in the kingdom. And until I prayerfully figure out what that is, I'm not gonna do anything. 
Whereas Jesus says, listen, I'm the King of Kings. I came down and I actually washed people's stinky toes. And then he says, now go and do likewise. And Philippians 2 says the same thing. Our attitude should be the same of Christ Jesus. When our attitude is to serve, when our attitude is not to fill a gap, not to feel good about myself, but to serve others and glorify God, then wherever God leads us, man, it's for His glory. So start serving, start somewhere. The second principle I wanna speak about here is that God likes to steer moving ships. In other words, don't wait for the perfect thing, just start serving somewhere. And what you're gonna start discovering is that, well, now you're gonna be connecting with people and as you serve in any ministry, whether it's kids ministry, setup ministry, worship ministry, prayer ministry, as you're serving, as you avail yourself to God's power, people are gonna start coming up to you and saying, wow, you are encouraging. Hey, maybe you've got the spiritual gifts of encouragements. Wow, well, whenever you, you're... Whenever it's your turn to take a lesson with these kids, man, I just see these kids getting it, the lights going on. Well, maybe you've got the spiritual gift of teaching. Well, well, you're in worship ministry and maybe you've got a talent to sing, but you're in worship ministry and there's prayer time and maybe you say something like, listen, guys, I just, as I was praying about tonight, I got a burden in my heart. I'd love to share that with you. And suddenly it just feels like God spoke. Maybe you've got the spiritual gift of prophecy. So start serving, see how God uses you. And what you're gonna discover is that maybe you commit to a ministry for a year. And then a year after that, you kind of realize, okay, I'm gonna actually move over here. And then you commit somewhere else for a year. And you start seeing a different kind of fruitfulness. You've made a different network of friends. Uh, And then after that, you start to discover and you actually realize God is steering you into higher and higher levels of fruitfulness and effectivity in His kingdom. Remember the faithful stewards, more gets added to them. With faithful with a little, God makes us faithful with much. Now the third area that God wants us to be faithful in is the area of our treasures. Now we did a whole series on this last year called God and Money, where we try to understand this. And I get it. Uh, and I've mentioned this before that uh, sometimes when we talk about money in church, that's like a no-go zone. Maybe some of us have, have seen some of the nonsense in the news and, and some of us have heard about pastors who've fleeced the sheep and some of us hear about these guys who fly around with you know, gold toothbrushes and all sorts of nonsense and we're like, oh, we're not gonna be like that. So we ignore when the Bible speaks about money. And, and here's the thing, as, as, as someone who needs to teach God's word, I'm not gonna locate my emotions on how uncomfortable or even how uncomfortable I am on any topic, but rather what God has to say about it. And God is, and I need to tell you, God is gonna hold us accountable when it comes to how faithful we were with the resources that He has entrusted in our hands. And, and when you think about these, these, uh, these three servants, the five, the two, and the one, all the same principles apply. I think it is so easy to fall into the comparison trap. Oh, I've only got one. She's got two. He's got five. I can't be fair. I can't do what they're doing. I can't give what they're giving. I can't be faithful in the same way that they are, so I'm not gonna be faithful. Or maybe I've got one and I'm gonna kind of serve my kingdom and when I've got two talents, then I'll be faithful into God's kingdom. I remember God gives us these things each according to His ability. 
It means God knows your limitations and God knows your potential. And God is only gonna measure you against you. So whether you've got a little or whether you've got a lot, God is only coming and gonna come to you and say, but what did you do with what I gave you? Now, in the same way we've been talking about time and our talents, I wanna talk about our treasures. What are the kinds of things that God cares about so that we can kind of align ourselves with Him? Before I get into that, um, I think one of the areas we kind of fall into uh, with regards to all of our talents is that our view, we've got a way too short-term view of things. So when it comes to our resources, some of us struggle to kind of think about tomorrow. Maybe some of you are figuring out a bit of a weekly or a bit of a monthly budget and you're figuring that out. Maybe some of you have some investments. So maybe some of you have a retirement plan. Maybe some of you are even trying to set up your kids so that they can inherit something or that even your grandkids can inherit something. But here's the thing, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, much of that is so good. But God doesn't want us only to think about the 50-year plan. God wants us to think about the 50-million-year plan. The way Jesus said it is this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. When moth and rust and with these break in and steal and governments come and investments fail. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy where it really matters and where thieves do not break in and steal. Imagine hitting every single one of your financial goals this side of heaven and getting up there one day and God said, none of it mattered. None of it mattered when it came to eternity. So how do we steward our resources in such a way that we are stewarding for eternity? This doesn't mean, by the way, that we can't save, that we can't spend on, on things. In fact, God says He gives us these things to enjoy. However, number one, God is concerned that we do what we can to look after our families. Now, I understand that you may be here this morning, uh, sorry, this, this evening, and you may be saying, listen, Stephen, I am doing everything in my power to look after my family and I'm still not making ends meet. And I, I don't always know how that works out. I don't always know why some of us are really trying to be so faithful and we're still struggling. I think part of the solution is the church. Part of the ways of being able to help people is, is being in community. But I think there's a big difference in doing everything I can to be faithful with my one talent or my two talents or my five talents. And it seems like some have seven, eight or 10 talents when it comes to this. There's a big difference between that and actually I'm struggling and I'm not looking after my family because I'm being selfish. Or I just don't like working hard. Or no, those jobs are below me. And I've seen that just as much. God is gonna hold us accountable to that. In fact, he says, in the, in the book of Timothy, he says, if you're like that, you're worse off than the pagans. This is a priority to God, so it's gotta be a priority to us. The second thing God is concerned about is He is concerned about our generosity. And by the way, those that He's entrusted with much, He expects much of. And I suspect when we get up to heaven, He's not gonna look at the number of zeros on your, on your investment portfolio and give you a high five. I, I suspect that some of the, people who struggled most financially in this world are gonna be given the greatest rewards in heaven because of their generosity. Because that is the kind of life that God rewards. Number three, God is concerned about our heart for the poor. 
And the question comes in, well, well, how does that reflect in how I spend my resources? I mean, as a church, we need to do this. We can't just hope that looking after the poor is gonna happen. So for, for every 100 rand that comes into Riverside Community Church, there's a portion that goes on to looking after those who are struggling in our community. And for every 100 rand that comes into our church, there's a portion allocated to looking after those, this is our branch out fund, outside of our community. So we are making a difference in the lives of the least of these. So they feel loved and they feel the kingdom of God touching their lives. We have, for every 100 rand coming in, we have a missions fund so that we are taking the gospel out there. But that doesn't just happen. We've got to plan for that because God's going to hold us accountable. And in the same way, each one of us needs to somehow reflect a heart for the poor. And finally, God is concerned for His church and for His kingdom. Now again, I know this can be so unpopular, and I understand that some of you might have been in churches or seen churches or read, read the headlines where some really poor things have happened, if not pure evil things have happened. But here's something I wanna say clearly but gently. Here's what Jesus is not gonna say on that day. He's not gonna say, oh, Steve, look, I know, 2019, there were some really dodgy pastors out there. There were some really dodgy churches that did some really dodgy things. I know that you were exposed to, maybe you were hurt, maybe someone in your family was hurt. I know that maybe you thought, you know, can we fully trust the church? So don't worry, I'm gonna let you off the hook. Jesus is not gonna say that. He's gonna say, listen, if you were in a faithful church and he wants us to be in a faithful church, and man, we wanna be a faithful church. He's gonna say, were you faithfully partnering with your church? When it comes to our time and how we spend our time, when it comes to our, our, our talents and how we spend our talents, and when it comes to our resources and how we spend our resources, that day is gonna come where Jesus says, were you faithful? And I want to hear those words from my master. Well done, Steve. Well done, good and faithful with the talents that I gave you. So I'm gonna ask Joseph if she can come up right now. I wanna get really insanely practical, but also uh, prayerful. Give us an opportunity to respond to God in this space. So as we think about those three T's, our time, our talents, and our treasures, you might wanna close your eyes for this. Uh, if you've got a journal here, you might wanna have your journal out. You might wanna have your, your, kind of your notes app out on your phone but also just in a prayerful space. When it comes to your time, what is one area that God wants you to make a change in? Maybe as I was preaching, you're like, oh, Stephen, there's like 20 things I need to do. I want you to think of one. As the Holy Spirit just kind of raises these things to the surface in you, where does He draw your attention? Was it to the area of family? The area of work? The area of people? Just one thing, the main thing, the top thing that God shows you. If you can, try and articulate it in a sentence. Here is the one thing I am going to do. Here is one change I'm gonna make when it comes to stewarding my time. 
Because you know what? That one thing leads to the next thing, which leads to the next thing. The same is true with our talents. Just trusting that the Holy Spirit is causing maybe a number of things to come up. But what is the top thing? Acknowledge that. Sure, Lord, you're speaking to me about some opportunities that I've been wasting. Or maybe I've been trying to do these things in my own strength and not trusting your power. Or maybe I've been using my talents for my kingdom. Just what is that top thing? And what single change are you going to make in that area? Are you using your talents for the common good? If you're on the app, uh, there is a place under menu and get involved where you can just read through all the ministries of the church. And there's an opportunity for you to start serving so that you can become that moving ship that God can steer into living effectively in His kingdom. And then when it comes to treasures, what is the one thing God has brought to the top? I don't want this to be guilt from Steve, condemnation from anything else. Just what is the Holy Spirit gently whispering into your life? Not so that you can legalistically do something, but rather that you can joyfully participate and be a steward. Write that one thing down. And I also want to trust God for one more thing tonight. It might sound a bit strange, but I want to invite you to stand with me. We're going to remain in an attitude of prayer. And I'm going to ask you, if you feel uncomfortable, that's fine, but I want to ask you to put out your hands in a physical posture of receptivity. You see, when we're looking at Matthew 25, we realized that everything these stewards managed wasn't theirs, it was their master's. And as I was praying about today, this morning, I just felt like God prompting me to invite us all tonight to ask God to increase the flow of what He gives us, to unblock the blockages that are preventing the flow to go out of us. So I want to pray that when it comes to our time, when it comes to our talents, when it comes to our treasures. Father, thank You that You give us time. Thank You that You bless us with opportunities. And God, this is time that You give us. We simply manage it. So God, the thing that I ask for is that you would increase our wisdom when it comes to our time. That God, we would be wise when it comes to the opportunities that we have, those 86,400 opportunities. God, that we start seeing your kingdom more than we've seen it before. We start seeing how those are 86,400 opportunities for your kingdom. So God, increase that upon us. Holy Spirit, just increase the weightiness of that upon us. 
Father, when it comes to our talents and our spiritual gifts, You are the giver of gifts. You are the giver of our talents. And God, I am asking that You increase that upon us. God, if, if, if there are teaching gifts here, I pray that You'd increase those. If there are prophetic gifts here, I pray that You'd increase those. If there are gifts of helps and administration and leadership and generosity, I pray that You'd increase those upon us. Because Your Word says we need to desire these things. You are the giver. But also increase our joyful obedience and blocking what you give us so that we can be a blessing to others as we joyfully serve. God, and I know this next one kind of almost feels like a strange thing to ask for. But God, when it comes to our treasures, God, I'm asking that you're gracious towards us. I'm asking that if there are those in this room that are seeking to be more faithful, that you would show them how, that you'd give them great wisdom and insight, great support. God, I'm asking that if there are those who are seeking to be faithful and and looking for a job so that they can look after their family well, that you'd somehow provide that for them. God, that if there are business owners in this room, that you would bless their businesses so that they in turn can be a blessing into the kingdom. But at the same time, Lord, as you increase this in our life, that you also increase the sense of responsibility and stewardship so that you would say of us, well done, good and faithful servants. So God, we trust you for what you're doing right now. You're increasing the sense of your grace upon us. And at the same time, you are unblocking some of these channels that we just block up as we, as we serve ourselves. Father God, may we walk out of here with a greater sense of, man, we're participating in your joy as we steward this with great joy. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please don't run off. Because of the generosity of many in the church, we are able to have great coffee, great brownies. Uh, There are great people here to meet if you haven't met them already yet. Uh, Spend some time getting to know them. Otherwise, see you in life groups. Uh, See you next week, Sunday. If any of you would love further prayer, uh, there are a number here who would love to pray with you into that. God bless you.